0: Yes, you are. (laughs) You're as violent as they come. I know this because I'm as violent as they come
1: to the mic burns then tell the crowd I'm about to take it back like platforms and chop sideburns then I proceed to stomp mud holes on bitch MCs crush they chest and seize their abilities to grieve ayo hey, DJ spin that machete play well I drop the fat shit on all these rap heavyweights blast your habitat madness the trap. my battle tracks is like Chernobyl's aftermath no escaping mutilation mutation on the world politicking through the news and music station music's changing building on lessons that never stop and now it's on like conkers when the weather dropped. Prophetic God fill my page with these deadly dots. A heavy cost, your life's paid if you step across. Heaven is not far but way if your test is the staff, then you now bear knuckles with the no weapons. A rapper in their face, make them see stars. Can get trip through the
2: clouds and the Venus and Mars like a greyhound boss with the weight? Suckers losing heads like they're unlucky, Timothy McClane's.
0: Bringing you welcome back to like Black Hoodie Sam Alchemy, folks. As always, I'm your host, Anthony Tyler. And if you're listening to this as it comes out, happy Halloween season to you. Don't worry uh, if you're listening to this outside of the Halloween context. I think this will still have plenty of, let me put it like this. If you're listening to this show in general, uh, this is going to be the kind of subject matter for you. It's not Halloween specific because, I mean, really, almost all of this show could be Halloween specific. This is kind of how we do things here. And it's the whole black hoodie mentality, you know. Let's get some uh, pleasantries out of the way first. Uh, We're going to talk about the science and philosophy of horror as an art form, as an experience. This is something that's very close to my heart. But before that, uh, I wanted to say, you know, go out and get some merch, if that's your thing. Black hoodie alchemy officially has some merch out there. You can get a black hoodie, as you should be able to. You could also get a white hoodie if uh, if you're a bit of a contrarian. You can get some. Uh, it's like three quarter sleeve baseball tees. We got an alternate logo on some of them as well. It's like a stoned um, eye of providence. You know the eye of the pyramid. We also have beanies and. Yeah, you know, um it it's gonna end this sale. These items are going to go off the market uh at like the new year 2024. So keep that in mind if you, you know, um and I'll also say this if you think like oh yeah, maybe I'll get some merch at some point, but you know, he's probably selling plenty of merch. So I'll I'll get around to it at some point. Uh no, I'm actually not selling that much merch. So hop on it if it's something that you're interested in. But anyway, you know, I digress. I the way I look at the business side of this is I should put things out there. You know, people want to support the show, but I'm really not trying to ram it down people's throats. I don't get paid for this. You know, we're holding it down for the underground here. Um that being said, I'm very thankful for the growing listener base. You know, there's definitely uh quite a few people listening. You know, we're not topping any charts and I'm not paying my bills, but We've got a thing going here. And and that's really nice in and of itself. That's hard enough to pull off uh, in the podcast game in and of itself. So thank you uh, for listening. You know, to set the stage a little bit when we're talking about the philosophy and science of horror, uh, I kind of, I had a uh, recently what I would call, I don't know the snappy way to put it, but the image that always comes to my head because I grew up on Spider-Man comics is a big full page panel of uh, Peter Parker just walking away from the trash can with the, the Spider-Man costume uh, just kind of like draped outside of it you know it's just fuck it I quit moment and <laughs> I kind of had one of those recently uh, I wasn't even sure I wasn't even sure for a full night if I was going to keep doing this podcast uh, gradually I worked my way I kind of came back down in steps like maybe I'll have to not do it so often maybe i won't be able to do guests so often and some of those things might follow through we'll see you know i just got to play it e- by ear a little bit but uh, you know there's there's no question i'm going to keep doing the show um i get enough out of this personally just enjoyment factor and getting things out of my head sharing it with other people uh and you know creating uh, a, a a dialogue especially about topics i don't see discussed as much I really enjoy that, and and there's really no reason for me to stop, especially when uh, the hardest part is over. You know, the beginning of this show is well over, so you know, and I'm not going to hang it up for all the people that have stuck it out this far. So no, no, I went back and I grabbed my Spider-Man costume. Uh, But things have been frustrating lately. I've been feeling the existential dread, the existential horror of life. You know, my relationships are good. you know, I feel good about I'm like my self image and the things I could work on. You know, I feel like all of that is is clear. You know, I know my strengths and weaknesses. But man, uh, you know, if I could just be candid with everybody, um, I've I've um, consistently struggled with just a regular career. You know, when I grew up, when I was growing up, I had a lot of baggage and I was focused on working through that baggage more so than picking out a career. And because of those things, uh, I was always really drawn to art and writing. <laughs> so, which is a dicey career move uh, in and of itself. But on top of that, I, you know, the artist mentality is you're an artist first and you're doing these jobs to make money. Um, and that gets more and more impractical as the economy nosedives so you know i've done different things um all sorts of botany construction i'm back in construction and you know i feel fully capable and able to i've got so many ideas but uh can't seem to really get anything off the ground and it's fucking frustrating uh, I feel like I just have to try so many different things because it's not just a matter of finding a career anymore. It's also, you know, companies to work for are dicier than ever. It's a shit show out there. So if you are set and you are feeling good about your job, you should really be thankful for that. Um, it, uh, uh, it's crazy, but a lot of times uh, these days, It is a blessing to just get full time work, so you can get benefits and get full paychecks. Talk about corporate slave mentality. I feel it. I've been there. You know that's that's why I'm working another job now. Uh, It's a sad fact. So and all that builds the existential dread, builds the existential horror. Makes me wonder, you know, if I have time to even do the things that I enjoy doing when I don't have the big picture. Mapped out. Um, and I'm, you know, especially lately, constantly oscillating between um, worrying about the big picture and trying to enjoy the little things. And everything I do is a question with a bit of doubt as to is this the right move at this point? What do I need to be fixing? What do I need to be changing to get to the next step? When I'm not paycheck to paycheck. There's a fine line, I think, between self-awareness and, you know, self-awareness uh, geared towards self-improvement and then just losing your mind in the downward spiral. And I think threading that needle between the two is very important and it's an extremely skillful mindset, but God damn, is it hard. So, you know, in these mindsets, in general, at these times in my life, where you know I'm thankful, I I truly am. I'm in good health, I'm in great shape, and I'm only saying that because that you know I need to look at the the glass half full here. I you know some things really suck, but not everything in life is gonna you know be ironed out. Um, but when you start to feel not a resentment, but just irritated when you see people doing better. Not because you want them to not be doing good, but and not even because you want to switch with them, but it just weighs on you. Because I I think for me, it becomes a reminder of there's something you're missing, there's something you're missing, you know, and that just drives me crazy sometimes. Um, And when I get in these moods, things like heavy metal and horror movies really help me out a lot. And, and and on top of that, it's the Halloween season as I'm recording this. So I wanted to talk about the philosophy of horror at large. Um, and because the, firstly, there's, there's a huge question as to why horror is necessary for one. Uh, horror movies have always been considered – the horror genre at large has always been considered – more synonymous with b-movie um you know lesser than art and i think horror and i i i do include heavy metal in this um you could say aggressive music in general but particularly metal um there is a lot of chaff to separate uh, to separate from the wheat you know what i mean there's a lot of garbage horror movies out there but when you find the good ones, they're some of the best movies out there, in my opinion. But what what is the point? What's going on here? What are the mechanisms at play? Why do we enjoy them? Firstly, I think it's interesting to note that you know people say like the most rudimentary, the core emotions that humans experience are love and fear. You know, and 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 I think that that plays out pretty well in general. Um, fear is something that is extremely primal. it's something that you don't have to think about. It just happens the same way that genuine love is experienced I mean, truly uh two sides of the same coin, and alchemical mindsets, particularly but magical mystical mindsets in general, are very interested in the the Dichotomy of the two. It's um, often overlooked. States of trauma make us very malleable. The reason things like uh, post traumatic stress disorder are a thing is because, you know, these things are continuing to, they've made such a lasting impression that they're, you know, continuing to work through us. And that's because we were so impressionable in the moment. It's like, it's like a similar to how a psychedelic experience. On a neurological level actually makes your brain a bit more malleable and you are able to override and create new neural patterns new habits very rapidly and um, that's even how things let you know people kick addictions with massive psychedelic experiences physical addictions there's some chemi- there's some chemistry at play but a huge part of that is psychological it's uh, it's working with. There's a. I I I guess the easiest way to encapsulate it is there is a transcendental quality to a traumatic experience, and the, uh, not always a good thing, obviously. And, and that's a that's a a really curious statement, right? It sort of um, undermines itself or calls into question the nature of both qualities by marrying the two together tra- uh, transcendentalism and and trauma but i think the the motif there is you know it's that the, that that victor frankl idea that when everything else is taken away from us the last freedom we have is our ability to choose how we react to any given situation you know sometimes things are just reactionary in the moment, but if 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 we just take the reins of our psychology in the situation, we can make a lot of difference there. And sometimes, you know there's there's obviously huge de- uh, varying degrees of trauma, and a lot of times you're not going to be able to uh, work through the trauma when you're experiencing it. you know, that's a bit of a paradox. But understanding that you still have an agency here is crucial i think um, a core motif with trauma is people feeling like they've lost their sense of personal psychological agency their uh you know they've lost control of the reins of the situation in many ways and let's say in a violent traumatic situation a lot uh in many cases you're going to have to work through that after the fact but in other traumatic situations, say, I don't know, a divorce or a breakup that that's really gets you and is really fucking you up um, or recovering from, you know, trying to get over an addiction. Um, say even struggles that I'm going through now, um, existential dread of just what the hell am I doing? Um, not going to be able to re- retire like this, you know, blah, blah, blah. The stress that we feel can be propelled in new directions. It can take, you know, the, this pit that we feel in the, in the bottom of our stomach, that can be the fertile soil for new patterns, new habits, new ways of looking at the things that, are, that we're struggling with, you know. Uh, facing these things more head-on. Sometimes at our lowest is when we we feel at our lowest is when we can be our most powerful, at least in terms of catharsis and self-transcendence, if you will. I have some studies here. There's one study in particular that I really wanted to talk about because it is a full-on scientific paper that I found I found this paper in frontiersandpsychology.org. It's a scientific paper that was released October 18th, 2019 by G. Neil Martin, Dr. Martin, who uh, is an honorary professor of psychology at Regents University, London. I don't know anything about that school, but this guy you know, is a pretty legit guy with some legit credentials. And I'm going to post this paper entitled, Why Do You Like Scary Movies? A Review of Empirical Research on Psychological Responses to Horror Films. I'm going to put that in the show notes. And I'm going to be reading through that a little bit because while the focus is on horror movies, um, there is a whole lot to say about our trauma responses, um, horror in any art form, and... You know, there's some childhood development. There's some esoteric considerations of demonology and so forth. Uh, this was a really great paper. Not all of it translates very well into listenable material. There were several things I found fascinating, uh, like statistical things that uh, would actually be a, a quite a bit of legwork to encapsulate in a way that made sense without stripping it of most of the material uh and and it just wouldn't be very listenable but you should go check it out it's you know there's a lot it's quite a big paper many sections and you know i think it's kind of well known at this point but for those that are unaware uh, there's been certain studies done over the years with mental health and heavy metal music and it's shown to be a a much different story than, you know, scared fundamentalists would would like you to believe. Um, There's there's an idea of exposure therapy. You know, um, being exposed to something over periods of time will help you build up an immunity to it in a literal physical way and a psychological way as well. But on top of that, there's... It seems to be some sort of double negative psychological response, perhaps what you might call like an empathetic release, where studies have shown that, uh, and 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 we'll get into this with horror movies as well. But um, you know, listen if you're a fan of metal music, listening to that really aggro guitar riff and some screaming and double bass drum, it will actually mellow you out because it's sort of like a it's a relatability thing it's a it's a venting thing it's you feel that your frustrations are heard and recognized and you are able to connect with that in a way that helps you expel some of those feelings and tensions because it's not just some imaginary shit in your head it's that is the the tip of the iceberg to a whole system of nervous system processes and, and physical tension and, and, and muscle tension and, um, and, and, and literal hardwired neural patterns. It's a lot more than you just simply being afraid of something or worried about something. But studies also show that uh, people who listen to heavy metal are usually more inclined to be risk takers. So that can be a very double-edged sword but what science generally tends to show is that with people who are fans of heavy metal and horror if they enjoy it it scratches an itch for them cathartically and actually helps them live easier better lives with better perspective and if you are someone who has gone off the deep end uh you know a serial killer that was fascinated by a book or a movie for example, um, the, the the evidence shows that something was going to tip you off eventually, one way or the other. It's clearly not the art that is to blame here. It never was. It never can be. It just it's just not how it works. And we're getting closer to the half hour break mark here, so I will get into this scientific study by Doctor, freaking Martin, uh, after this. But before we get into the commercial break, um, I did have a fun Halloween story that ties into all of this development, um, the, the traumatic patterns that seem to follow with us and have inertia that we can redirect. Now, if you listen to the recent episode, I don't remember the number offhand, but it's in the 50s and it's Investigating Your Personal Mythology. I brought up the story about how I watched as a young kid, like three, four, something like that. um, Scooby-Doo on zombie Island, the whole thing where it's the only Scooby-Doo story really aside from like a cartoon where they meet the fictitious Dracula or some shit like that. That happens sometimes, but it's really the only, the only meaty Scooby-Doo story Uh, in the uh, the cartoon world where they've actually met real monsters and it was zombies and everything um and it's different it's approached differently um than you know one where they meet aliens it it seems like there's this whole cartoon thing going on that your kid brain is wrapping around but the way they sell it in scooby-doo on zombie island is um it's just it's a great movie and it's a cult classic like it's a it's a really good movie well i'm not going to go into that any further you could check out that episode if you want to hear the story i got so scared my dad had to spray lysol under my bed to let me know that monsters you know even if they were real this was going to kill them so recently i went to in here in pensacola like a small but impressive for how small it was like halloween kind of uh comic ish con it wasn't quite a comic con, but it was pop culture. You know, there was comics, there was all the horror movies, there was Star Wars stuff. There was a uh, R2-D2 robot that was riding around on its own. Someone had a remote somewhere. But I ended up getting to meet Scott Eines, the 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 dude who voices Scooby-Doo. He's like the Kevin Conway of Scooby-Doo. Kevin Conway is the, uh, the Batman voice, if you don't know. Uh, he's dead now, recently. Rest in peace. But uh, so I I uh, I told Scott Eines the story of spraying the Lysol under the bed. He laughed a little bit, um, and I was wearing a Scooby Doo hat, so I figured just in the moment I was like, "Hey, this is Scooby Doo hat. Could you sign this?" And he said, "Yeah, yeah, I could sign it for thirty bucks." And I wasn't sure if he was joking or not, but he was being friendly either way. So I said, "Guy, I don't have thirty dollars." He said, "Well, how much do you have?" And I, and I had my girlfriend with me as well, and. uh <laughs> I said, I, I didn't even bring my wallet. It's free admission here. Like we live close by. We're just checking it out. And so he looks at my girlfriend, Brooke, and he and, and he says, What the hell? You came out with this guy? Like, wait, what was your game plan when he was gonna try and take you out to dinner afterward? And just starts roasting me. But he's he's smiling. I'm having a lot of fun. And uh I took my hat off and he's looking at the hat while he's roasting me and he looks at me one more time and he signs it and he's like, yeah, this, go ahead. This one's on the house. Um, And uh, I was like, I still wasn't sure if it was, uh, if he was even being serious or not because I was in little kid brain mode. I didn't even see the signs. I said $30 for a signature. And this other little kid comes up, an actual little kid. And he's got like a Scooby-Doo doll, a plush doll. And it's got a collar perfect for a signature and i said yo kid you should get you should get uh scott eyes to sign that and i didn't even hear it i just thought it was i like i was just in the moment my girlfriend recalled later he mumbled under his breath like yeah i'll sign it for 30 (laughs) dollars so um he duly roasted me he was a very cool guy i even got the signature and that was a, a weird tie up to the first horror movie I saw as a kid that scared the shit out of me and is one I still think of to this day is one I rewatched fairly recently and it still holds up. So um, that was um, a memorable Halloween experience, Halloween season experience for me. Uh, and I don't really have a whole lot of people to share that with. So I had to mention it here on the show. If you listen to that investigating your personal mythology episode, uh you'll probably get a little kick out of that i never expected to meet scott ines so and it felt like a little bit of catharsis to that trauma hearing him chuckle and oh and also he told me he was like well thank god your dad was spraying lysol under your bed i'm sure you needed it and i was like, (laughs) just fucking roasting me so i shook his hand i said i i literally told him i said thank you for roasting me that was a lot of fun and yeah that was that so all right that's it for now um Stick with me through this commercial break. We will talk about, uh, we'll get into this study. We'll read some of the actual science of horror. Now that we've talked a little bit about the philosophy. Get, this is Black now, Cody Alchemy. I'm Anthony Tyler. Started started we'll be right back. Get, down,
3: dress, giving, I roam the streets, face cloaked to face those who pay close attention to battles. I speak foes, using their blood on my hands. I pick flows. The Made me stranger, page to ranger, paid to slay an angel on a roll like spraining ankles Gotta raise my payroll, bout your flow pocket at the shit stink is anal Crowds get straight, on straight scatter, shooting strays out of a tragic funeral state gathering after I make the hair on the bars rise, bury the track neck up in dirt like
4: old man uh dang old man Uh listen here y'all this is uh your your good good old boyfriend uh and uh your good old friend that's a boy not a boyfriend uh tippy pat's in here and you know from all them black hoodie alchemy episodes and i'm just here to uh tell y'all about uh some of the great commentaries that have been going on on this program with the good old anthony tyler um, we've done some great episodes uh, just like uh, Richard the uh, Abominable Snowman, Kuklinski, the Jewish locksmith known as Israel Keys, uh the Puerto Rican Batman known as Pedro Rodriguez Filho, and dang old Macaulay Culkin's gay murderous brother, Michael Alley. And, and a whole lot more, y'all, so why don't you go on, tune in, and uh, check them Black Hooded Alchemy episodes out. Don't forget I'm Tippy Patsy of uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And I hope to dang-o hear from y'all soon.
2: Hello. Is this thing on? Okay, please edit this out for me. Um, but uh, my name is Steve Buscemi, formerly known as uh, Jefferson Tillamook Slinger. As many of you know, I am a big fan of the Highlander movies and television show. But many of you may not know how confusing and fucking stupid that the uh, that the whole uh, storyline is. And I'm here to tell you, as a public service announcement to all them them youngins out there that don't understand the Highlander franchise. It's okay. You're not alone. And if it makes you feel any better, basically the director's cut of the first movie and the TV show are the only things you really need to pay attention to. Everything else is just retconned bullshit. And uh, it's a mockery. Um, So just forget about you know the second and third movies and all those sci-fi channel movies it was all not good um it just served to confuse people and even the people involved with those projects have pretty much said don't think of those as an official story so don't worry maybe you can rest easy at night but the fact of the matter is the highlander series might be perhaps the biggest botch in all of nerd culture history Um, Uh, next to things like uh, the movie Jumper with Hayden Christensen could have been great was not very great also uh, Die Hard was a Christmas movie and I am a classy movie critic (coughs) oh god I am Apex Monsoon the cosmic ghost pirate the last uh, quarter of sales have not been too great for my dolphin pirate hero deck. Not many of you have been interested, and, uh, you know, that's fine. I've, I'm brimming with good ideas. I'm a pirate anyway. Argh. So, uh, what I've done is, um, I've created Apex Monsoon's Cosmic Pirate Space Run. Spiced space rum, matey. That's right. I've taken Caribbean rum. Kirkland Caribbean rum. And I've thrown that, um... That pulpery that's sprayed with synthetic cannabinoids that you can get at gas stations where it's not illegal now. And, um... I've got that floating in the Kirkland spiced rum. And I've also... I'm um, throwing a little mini umbrella in there and put a cork on top. And it's my Apex Monsoon Cosmic Pirate Space Rum. Get it now at tippiepatson.government.com forward slash d-d-d-u. Do it now! I'm a pirate, matey! Urgh! Urgh. Yeah, okay. Cool.
0: Has gravity got you down? Do you not understand the difference between a wave or a particle? What about the planets? How do all those rotate around each other? Laws of physics and other sciences can be confusing. So the next time you're curious just how exactly E equals MC squared, hire a highly trained and qualified professional. That's right. It's space Space lawyers. lawyers. Space lawyers are skilled in litigation with the laws of time, space, cosmic ghost pirates, and various other lawyerings. Each space lawyer has a PhD in space law from the cosmic hall of space justice. And they can get you out of just about any sticky situation. So stop bonking your head on things or accidentally creating big bangs with your haphazard studies in quantum physics. Leave all of that to the highly trained professionals prepared to litigate these laws for you. Just call one 800 spacelawyercom for more info
1: Space Space lawyer.
0: Lawyer! Space Lawyers cannot be used in a regular court of law. They can only accept cash and no cosmic traveler checks nor visa debit cards. Please wait up to four cosmic business days for our Space Lawyers to get back to you. forget to go get some black hoodie alchemy merch if that's your thing don't forget to check out my books dive manual hunt manual um i always feel like i forget something uh when i'm trying to remember what to shout out because i never remember when i'm able to write it down you know it's always why you're lost in thought doing something else at least for me uh but i think that's it so, all right. We're going to read this study. I'll read the, uh, the title again. Why Do You Like Scary Movies? A Review of Empirical Research on Psychological Responses to Horror Films, written by Dr. G. Neil Martin, uh, published on FrontiersInPsychology.org, published on October 18th, 2019. Like I said, uh, I encourage you to read this if you're interested in it. I'll have the link posted in the description. It's very interesting. I'll have some highlights here. So sort of hearkening back to the beginning of this discussion, um, there is a bit from the study that says, fear is the most widely studied emotion in science because it can be easily conditioned, studied, and observed in non-human organisms. There is a substantial literature which has attempted to explain fear conditioning and learning through reference to its underlying neuropsychology, and much of this work has been conducted on non-human species. Sounds very existentially horrifying just to start with. Let's talk about horror here, specifically movies. The study um, goes on to say, one of the principal purposes of horror film is to induce fear. The nature of fear and its etiology has a long history in psychology and various models have been proposed, which have been attempted to explain why we become afraid and to what types of stimulus. One model, for example, has proposed that we have evolved a fear module, a theoretical construct which comprises a number of domain-specific programs and which is, quote-unquote, preferentially activated. By stimuli that are fear relevant in an evolutionary perspective. Fear, it is argued, motivates us to escape and escape very quickly from potential threat and threats to survival. The module has four features it is selective, it is automatic. Uh, When encountering fear relevant stimuli, it responds without mediation. Uh, It is encapsulated, which means it relies on proven strategies to deal with threat. And it is Underpinned by specific neural behavior. So, taking out the descriptions there, um, it is selective, automatic, encapsulated, and specific. Uh, It is considered to be an adaptive mechanism for allowing us to avoid physical danger rapidly. In the context of horror film, this is, of course, counterintuitive, as horror film viewers who enjoy horror may not wish to escape the horror. And deliberately and proactively approach and seek it. And those do not uh those that do not enjoy horror and who may uh, serendipitously watch horror engage in other withdrawal behaviors, such as shutting the eyes or holding on to a companion. What occurs during horror film viewing is the willing acceptance that the film will induce fear and that a contract is reached between the medium's manufacturer and the viewer um, that this is what is to be expected. The questions that then arise are whether there are specific stimuli or situations which horror films deploy or recruit which are more likely to induce a fear response, and if so, what are these stimuli and why do they have this effect? This fear module conceptualization draws on the controversial notion that there are some stimuli to which we are evolutionarily predisposed to fear. That evolution has rendered us more afraid of some objects and situations than there are stimuli to which we have become socially or cognitively conditioned to fear. Um, example, examinations being in objectively non-threatening social groups. The latter stimuli pose no immediate or real physical threat to survival, uh, not fatal, but the former may potentially present this threat by endangering or causing death, may generate threat, uh, and therefore, Make us alert to our environment, and these stimuli and situations were experienced by pre-technological humans. "Quote unquote." Uh, These stimuli and situations were those which once posed threats to our ancestors, and that we therefore developed an evolutionary disposition to avoid or to respond with fear—a form of selective association. Guns, for example, are not fatal unless used, and our posture to them is limited. Guns are not phobic stimuli, and seeing photographs of guns or seeing guns does not elicit significant fear, not usually, and uh, not the degree of fear that stimuli to which we are evolutionarily predisposed to fear evoke. A person pointing a gun at us, however, with the intention to fire or with the threat of the intention to fire is clearly a direct threat, but not one that is evolutionarily created well certainly the underpinnings of it are but i get what he's saying here there are certain things like why humans are afraid of snakes a lot of the time it was best to just avoid snakes in general um uh, when we were in the jungles and trying to fend for ourselves you know just let that play out as it is um so why do people enjoy watching horror films, and why is this an important or useful question to ask? The primary aims of the horror film are to frighten, shock, horrify, and disgust uh, using a variety of visual and auditory uh, motifs and devices, including reference to the supernatural, the abnormal, uh, mutilation, blood gore, so forth. It is the emphasis on these characteristics that tend to distinguish horror from the related genre of thriller or psychological thriller. Thrillers are designed to create suspense and terror, but the creation of these feelings is dependent not on the presence of mutilation, gore, or the supernatural, but via more human devices. These boundaries, however, can be fuzzy. If these features are utilized in thrillers, they are not the principal focus of the film, but are incidental to it. An example would be the ear-cutting scene in Reservoir Dogs, which is bloody and brutal, but is contained within a film which has a non-horror theme. Together with Western, science fiction, comedy, musicals, documentaries, and other film genres which are characterized by popular tropes, styles, themes, and characters, uh, horror sets itself apart from the other film types via its distinctive characteristics. Although commercially successful, the cinematic reputation of horror has been less than stellar. It has been frequently regarded as the runt of the cinema family and held in lower esteem than other film categories. Part of the reason for the disdain, apart from the broad and base nature of the content, may be the relative cheapness of the horror film. Uh, These are often much less expensive to create than other genre films such as westerns and so forth. Yeah, and uh, these are interesting points. Horror is such a fascinating genre, especially uh, when considering considering film, because it can pack such a punch, but if you do it right, it can be extremely low-budget and still pack a tremendous punch. Granted, you could do a low-budget comedy, but again, this is striking to the whole point of what we're getting closer towards, why is horror important? why would people you know what is the punch for that 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 psychological catharsis that we get um sometimes the catharsis that we get from horror i do think is deeper than comedy maybe it's certainly more immediate in some cases i think that when you're in a bad mood and again it depends on the person but i guess at least for me when i'm in a bad mood sometimes comedy helps sometimes uh, it's, a, it's a, I feel a little too distant to even enjoy the humor. And watching some horror will really uh, jolt me out of that. And so I think in a sense, if you do horror properly, a low-budget horror film can come across just as punchy as a highbrow Hollywood action blockbuster in the long run in terms of overall effect. But that leaves a lot of chaff um, to separate from the wheat. And just cause there's a lot of shitty horror movies out there, so much so that part of a subgenre of horror nowadays has been people making intentionally bad horror movies so that there's no overt punchlines or, you know, it's not a laugh out loud comedy acted in a traditional way that a comedy would be, but it is a horror movie intentionally crafted so poorly that it plays hilariously and there are becoming more and more movies out there like that um and i think that is a really fun spin on the horror genre you don't see that in a lot of other plays. i don't know if there are any other genres that have that sort of niche to them There are parody movies of all genres but is there really a whole sub of a genre that flips it on its head? I don't think so. Anyway, uh, the study goes on. uh, Some interesting notes, I think. Uh, The word horror itself derives from the Greek word phryke, P-H-R-Y-K-E, meaning shudder, and describes the physical manifestations of shivering, shuddering, and so forth. Behaviorally, horror film can create shivering, closing of the eyes. Uh, Shielding of the eyes, trembling, even paralysis, uh, heaving, screaming. There are changes in psychophysiology, uh, specifically increasing heart rate and galvanic skin response. Uh, Mentally, it creates anxiety, fear, even empathy and thoughts of disgust. Um, a scientist noted throughout this paper here, Cantor, uh, asked students to write about their experiences of horror films and analyze three years worth of students' papers, 530 in total. Approximately 46% of the sample reported experiencing sleep disturbances after the event and 75% reported having experienced anxiety. The four most frequent cited causes of the frightening experience were the films Poltergeist, Jaws, Blair Witch Project, and Scream um all films that i don't think are very scary today i think they're great films they're great horror films but it's interesting how horror despite its classic status in ways similar to comedy but even more so than comedy will lose its edge you know we are chasing that dragon when it comes to horror and the 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 science does seem to show that but it's not it can be a upping of blood and gore, but it's not just that. It's finding new ways to trick the brain. It's um it's more of a magic trick angle. You know, how can because once you do something over and over, it's no longer scary. Um, uh, you know, you can become conditioned. So to find fresh angles in that inventive way, we're always trying to chase that dragon up that ante in horror artwork or art in general. One theory of horror enjoyment is excitation transfer theory, uh, which argues that we derive our enjoyment of horror film from this feeling of suspense. When a threat is resolved, our negative affect converts to euphoria and suspense ends. The vital aspect of the theory is that enjoyment is derived from the degree of negative affect built up during exposure to the horror film and from the positive affect uh reaction that results from the resolution of the threat if the resolution does not occur then residual negative affect will lead to increased dysphoria if there is no suspense but a complete certainty about what will happen suspense is replaced by dread very few studies have tested the theory although limited reviews provide some support for the model um Certain studies showed children animated cartoons that varied in suspense and measured participants' facial expressions, physiological arousal, um, in general. It's not talking about like sexual, but that, that would probably be included because it's heart rate and galvanic skin response and all that, uh, and cognitive responses. They found that liking of the film increased as suspense increased. Liking was especially great when the threat was overcome, but the relationship between fear and liking was not examined in the study. Empathy is a multidimensional concept whose components have been defined in different ways, but which in general are reflected in two types, a cognitive component and an affective emotional component. One model suggests that empathy comprises a wandering imagination, um, fictional involvement, uh, humanistic mentation and emotional contagion. Interestingly here, um, the most consistent individual difference predicting individuals responses to horror films is biological sex men and boys enjoy frightening and violent visual material more than women and girls, uh, correlations between intensity of scary media or horror in the enjoyment of horror in men are consistently positive. Men enjoy horror media more than women and are less scared by horror media, uh, use horror media more, and show a greater preference for frightening horror media. One of the earliest experimental studies of sex differences investigated the role of social comparison in individuals' response to horror. Male undergraduates experience less distress and anxiety than do women when watching horror film. And women find film clips depicting sadness and fear more unpleasant and distressing. Another study referenced in the paper says, 202 introductory psychology students um, described their reactions, uh, especially fear reactions, when they recalled the frightening movies they watched as children. The mean age at watching was 10.8 years. Uh, Female participants as adults liked slasher films less than did male participants as adults. Of the 14 categories included, this was uh, the least liked by women. The most liked genre by women was romantic comedy by men, action, and and adventure. Men reported choosing to watch horror more often than women did. Both sexes noted fear-related changes after watching films as children, but not during the film, with women reporting more negative reactions during watching of the films uh, when they were girls. The earlier their exposure to horror films as children, the greater was the sleeping disturbance they experienced afterward. The behavioral measures indicated the typical sex differences reported earlier. Uh, More girls than men hid their eyes, 64 versus 26%. More girls than men held someone, 35 versus only 6. And uh, the same... um, Ratio were jumpy, 65 versus 45. Uh, it seems children express fear to horror just as adults do, uh, and they also express enjoyment of horror as well. Some final notes here of interest on childhood development and horror. Says how children cope with horror has been the subject of some research on childhood development and horror uh, because of the potentially harmful psychological consequences of exposure to the frightening stimuli. Uh, reviews of the effect of horror stimuli on children's behavior concluded that two methods of coping were generally employed. Non cognitive strategies were those which did not involve the processing of verbal information and which might involve desensitization the gradual exposure to fear stimulus. Um, Cognitive strategies were those uh, as opposed to the non-cognitive strategies, uh, whereby children were encouraged to think about the source of their fear as a means of coping with their stimulus. There is evidence that desensitization is successful. For example, children uh, who had been gradually introduced to a videotape of snakes showed less fear when watching the snake pit scene from the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, it goes on to cite several instances where this has been the case. It says younger children appear to benefit more from um, adopting the physical strategies, such as holding onto a blanket. Um, the reasons for success of this strategy might be the provision of relief from anxiety and the provision of tactile contact. So some interesting food for thought there. And I'll uh, give my best to wrap this up here with a bow on top for y'all. But I got to be honest, the uh, the wind is pretty much taken out of my sails. Uh, on top of everything else, I already talked about how, without trying to have a pity party, how I've been frustrated and trying to work through some things lately. And midway through this recording process, I found that I have a nail in my tire. So, got to go deal with that. Um, yeah. Horror, right? um there are reasons for it um i think that you know the evidence does show that there are people you know who uh have less than desirable character traits you know maybe sadism and other things they mentioned the dark tetrad of psychology which is sadism narcissism erm um, um oh i'll look it up for you guys let's see Sadism, narcissism, psychopathy, and Machiavellianism. So they mentioned how you can find um aspects of that, like the people who are uh, fascinated with horror with those kinds of traits, but that's just one aspect, and that there's a much larger aspect of catharsis, and you know, the evidence shows that horror seen at a young age will be very instrumental you know, it will have a very striking response. It's just natural. And it's something that you probably won't ever forget. So many people talk about the face of Pazuzu being burned in their brains because they accidentally saw it somewhere as children, you know, and that uh, happened with me as well, but especially Scooby-Doo on zombie Island. <laughs> um, So I think aspects of desensitization and exposure therapy are extremely useful. Studies show that with aggressive art in general, impactful, punchy, um, horrifying art—whether it be metal or horror films, etc.—these uh, things they might have some sadists that are watching it, but the vast majority. Are because people are looking for um, a catharsis, uh, something to something to match how they're feeling. um you know, there are people out there who say that the violent and horrifying media actually pacifies people you know and and and, and sure there's sadists there's some out there that are looking for a bloodlust, but the majority of the people that are being pacified. Or because they are finding new and inventive ways to approach their trauma and anxieties. And I think that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So fear and horror are fascinations with true crime even. It's not just seeing some scary shit and then being thankful for the life that you live. There's plenty of that, but there's also something primal. Uh, the, the, the two most fundamental human emotions are fear and love. Um, the primal nature of that is something that is timeless. It's something that connects us to every human that's ever existed and always will. There's something transcendental about it. And if we learn to use it in the right ways, the proper cathartic ways, it can be transformational, transcendental even. You know, isn't that, after all, the whole idea of the, the shamanic vision quest? You take a whopping dose of psychedelics. You go wander into the darkness and find your way back. How terrifying is that? So I guess I'll leave you all with that for now. The vision quest of horror art and horror cinema and the Halloween season. Embrace your shadow. Learn to integrate it, to purify it. But certainly don't pretend that it's not there. Because that is the only surefire way to get it to overtake you by denying its existence and just assuming it has no power, therefore letting it run amok. And also, I guess as a final cherry on top there, um, I would say intention is the key. People always talk about law of attraction, manifestation, your fascinations with horror and the dark side of things. Is that going to attract more darkness into your life? No, no. I'm a I'm a living example of that. Not if your intentions are good. If you're a sadist watching those things, um, if you're watching it because you enjoy the pain of others and you just enjoy sick things, that's a different story. But if you're watching these things with honest intention and a lean towards a catharsis or greater perspectives on things troubling you. You can't go wrong. I encourage everybody to do that this holiday season. I'll leave you with that for now. Wish me luck on this fucking flat tire and everything else I got going on. Go get some merch if you like. And um, yeah, I, I got more guests coming, even if it takes a little while. You know, scheduling is a pain in the ass sometimes, but I there's a lot of people on deck. And I do have ladies on deck as well. I would have had ladies on already by now, but it truly is a scheduling thing at this point. And um, so rest assured, got a lot more coming. Enjoy the Halloween season, everybody. Embrace your shadow. I am Anthony Tyler. This has been Black Hoodie
2: Alchemy.
3: Hope you feel me, don't and God bless. I with rapping and bracing. Wow. I used to dream I'd be on BET to rock the basement. Back then, you had to be ill for the proper placement. So I chilled and developed skills that could drop a spaceship. But now, nobody even want to oh. hear it. The one thing I love is lost the spirit. Yeah. It's I know it ain't cool man. to tell you that I'm struggling, dog. But on the rail, even small ills can get your mind stuck you're in the fog. It really matter whether you smile or frown. Because in the end, on the world is still going to keep a moving yeah. around. Cool to tell you that I'm struggling, uh, God But on the real, even small ills can make your life rough It hard really matter whether you smile or friend. Cause in the end, yo, the world is still yeah. gonna keep a moving Some yeah. time so am so to Satan's will I'll be in all the places, Masons <laughs> hill I'm not a fan of being broke or how it makes you nope. feel It pays the bill, but before I chase this major deal I gotta face the real. yo, I still got some days to peel no, bills to pay, look, whatever dude, the waste of still I had some vodka and a matrix pill So now I'm dazed and thrilled My mind is racing with the of wheels these rappers fake the fun when I display your amazing wow. skills. So, you I just wanna jump on stage uh, and kill uh. and spit the phrases from my pages. Yo, this crazy situation's ill. Cause now these non musicians become your competition and getting on to mission. Cause nigga, nowadays the artist's missing. My whole crew was raised upon tradition. Wow. Where cats would listen if you spitting with the honest vision. But now the game became the largest prison. No permission to create and low commission got the artist bitching. Not to mention, kid, I'm stuck with this fear. The subject is clear. Music is selling nothing this year. And it sucks to adhere. It's hard to get the public to hear Yo, I swear, I chose the wrong fucking career But yo, I think I'm better off keeping my soul Yo, I'm hell-bent, on reaching my goal With uh, all my methods uh, to strangers uh. I'll never let my efforts be aimless Even though I'll probably never get yeah. famous I know no, it, it ain't cool to tell me. you that I'm struggling, dog <laughs> But on the rail, even small ills can get your mind stuck yo, in the fog really matter whether you smile or frown Cause in the end, yo, the world is still gonna keep on moving around yeah, Yo, it round. ain't cool to tell you that I'm struggling, dog uh, But on the rail, even small ills can make your life Yo, it's hard, really matter whether you smile or frown, cause in the end, yo, the world is still gon' keep on moving round and round, moving round and round, yo, we just don't stop. It's
1: like I'm bottled that. Uh-huh. My soul is filled up with sorrow and sin With pain sent to the brain like what? a bottle of gin I wish what? that I was the winner Drift away from all these problems I'm in Live for the day, fuck what tomorrow can bring We would the saga begin This ain't the right state of mind that I'm in What uh, will these evil thoughts come, come out, of out of my, my pen. pen I jotted down to repent uh-huh. I thought It out for a split Second, the feeling made my bones want to jump the out of my skin Cause uh. even, they want to find a way up out of my flesh Depressing thoughts make my soul want to float out of my chest And then go out on a quest My mind aborts to another world like Galileo thoughts when I'm just out on my steps I fought it out and I was left just a whole bunch of nothingness and me struggling breathing a life out of death I think I really need to pull it in I know I fell but I can't dwell on who I could've been I wouldn't win thinking who's that peeking in my window I look and see pain seeking as the wind blows in the moonlight till sunrise I'm trying to make sure my tune's right cause some die but the mood's right yep. but I'ma keep it going till the pain go away and make sure this verse is a keeper and not a throw Away with good delivery so my adverse coordinate go on a date with my metaphors and let the fornicate uh. Yeah, 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 gotta make sure it's straight Cause it's a lot of shit
3: yeah. on my I know it ain't cool to tell you that I'm struggling, uh, dog But on the rail, even small ills can get your mind stuck in the fog Really matter whether you smile or frown Cause in the end, yo, the world is still gonna keep it moving round yo, it ain't cool to tell you that I'm struggling, God. But on the rail, even small ills can make your life rough in hard Really matter whether you smile or frown Cause in the end, yo, the world is still gonna keep it moving round and round